Hi, welcome to Sonic <laughs> Serial. I'm Jesse. And I'm Mark, and today we have a special guest with us. This is a very special episode. We have a guest who's also my brother. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, Andre. Hey. <laughs> This is real special, so listen up, y'all. Lean in a little closer. This close? Um, yeah, like halfway between. We should have been talking about this before (laughs) we were recording. (laughs) Okay, yeah, but that close. Okay, well, let's try not to kiss. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, All right, in this podcast, we take a deep dive into albums from some of our favorite artists, track by track. That's right, and today we're continuing with Air's album 10,000 Hertz Legend, which was recorded in Paris and Los Angeles, and it was released in 2001. And today we're doing track uh, Radio Number One, The Vagabond, and Radian. Which are tracks three, four, and five. Yes. Uh, and I just wanted to um, point out some things I forgot to say last time. Um, why is it called 10,000 Hertz Legend? Is it a joke? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I thought I was like... Why was it called 10,000 No, I thought legend? you were... Like, you forgot to tell a joke. No. Okay. I just wanted to point out the title, because it's a very... Oh, okay. You know, unique title. Um, well, JB said that when they were asked about the title, he realized that it was like a subconscious reference to finding out that you couldn't hear past 10,000 hertz when he was at an ear exam. Who's JB? Oh, I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> That's your friend? <laughs> Did That's I not tell you during the last podcast <laughs> that not everyone knows them as well as you do? Uh, Jean Benoit, he's <laughs> one of the members of AIR, one half of AIR. And the other one is? Nicola. And he doesn't have a nickname like JB, but we call him Nico. Yeah. Oh. You guys talk to them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <okay. laughs> okay, so according to Beck who is um, on this album. Yeah. That uh, was... Girl. <clears throat> uh, Nicholas uh, told him, Nico told him that 10,000 hertz was the frequency that was used to kill people on the battlefield. Yeah, so we're going to show you that right now. Good luck. <laughs> Let us know if you survive. <laughs> we like to mess with our listeners' lives. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they had a website. Yes, they had a cool website for this album. I remember uh, from when I was a teenager. Um, it was designed by Or Ito, I think. And you can go inside the music studio on the album cover or the radio station and take like a virtual tour and, and push buttons and it would play loops from the album. It was it's very ahead of its one time. One of my favorite artist websites. So they had a cool website. Is it still? Can you still access it? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, there might be. A somebody must have it on a server yeah. somewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, if we try. if we find if we find <laughs> it, we can put it in the um, notes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's talk about track three, our first track today. It's radio number one. But an overview. Well, this is the first single to promote the album. <laughs> you got something to say? 
And what about production? It starts off with the sound of a radio tuning, followed by some Bowie-esque music and carnival-sounding pianos and organ synths. And then it finally ends with some radio DJ vocals and crazy drum crashes from Brian Wright's soul. And the vocals at the end were done by musician Jason Faulkner. And I feel like it adds a comedic element to the song. And um, all the musicians actually sing on the chorus, like Bohemian Rhapsody style. Well, I did feel, I felt like the first track was a diss track to Daft Punk. I have this whole theory on oh, it. Oh, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't go in. I don't, we don't need to go into it right That's now. That's for electronic performers. Yeah. But this one feels like an attack on all pop artists. <laughs> and I really think uh, Air needs to chill out. All right. They have some sort of vendetta in this album. They're going after everybody. <laughs> Wait, so this, since this is in, in retrospect, do you feel like they have chilled out with their, with their newer stuff? I don't really listen to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. So uh, they're, so they're kind of arrogant, would you say? Like, it feels kind of... Like, they're just, yeah, it feels like this commentary that they're more than just pop or they're more than just electronic music. They, they are need a to band. Check they their are. ego. Damn. <laughs> no. Shots fired, JB. <clears throat> Um, I did read a, a YouTube comment that I thought was interesting. Yeah. All right. That they they <clears throat> mentioned that it felt like they're saying that it's okay to be messy. Because <laughs> uh, you know, being messy is it's it's just human. Like like <clears throat> not cleaning up, like not picking up the clothes off the floor. Or messy well, in production. Just, just messy, messy. Just being messy. Okay. Uh, letting accidents happen. Sloppy. In all of its permutations. Which kind of I feel towards the end of the song, and you notice in the music video where they start getting messy, they get in a little food fight, and oh yeah, and then at the end of the song, that's when they're crashing cymbals, yeah, and really just kind of going um, live with it, you know, and it's yeah. really um. It's a really human feeling at the end when they're trying to. They started off this album really talking about being robots. Yeah, yeah. Preach, sister. So it's it's, <laughs> it's uh, uniting the human with the robotic. Well, speaking of live, <laughs> let's talk about live performances. All right. Uh, one of their first live performances for this song and this album was for the late late show with Craig Kilborn and. Um, if you watch the video, JB's wearing a cape and an eye patch, and it's actually the first time they played for American television. And the music video was directed by Alex Cortes and Martin Figuero, um, aka Alex and Martin, who've done videos for Cassius, Phoenix, and The White Stripes. And it was shot in Paris. Yeah. Do you want to do like a live reaction to it? Sure. To the video? Yeah. The whole thing? Okay, so we're watching the video. Like, what about the meaning of the video? What do you think the intention is? 
it's back to that theme of artificial intelligence. So it looks like a city of the future in a kitchen of the future. Yeah. It's all very cold and perfect. hard and perfect and black and white. And is that a microphone? Yeah. I think you read this one. Have I been talking into a microphone? Like it's the uh, same one. <laughs> Didn't did you notice? I don't like how sweaty they look. Yeah, they're like coated in donut glaze. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I, I mean, it does seem like they're actually um, doing the robot. Like they're they're doing the robotic movements, but it it could just have easily been like stop motion. Like they just put a stop motion effect on the film. Yeah. Because it's just too white, it's a pretty people concept cooking in the kitchen, but they're acting like robots. They're and perfect then, at first, and then <clears throat> get out of hand. Yeah. yeah. It just looks like they're having a fight. Like, I'm not, I didn't even think, like, oh, the robots are malfunctioning. I just thought, Uh-oh. this couple's just, <laughs> just... Tired of each other. Tired of each other. Where's their cat? Did you see the cat? No. They don't have a cat. That's scary. <laughs> Do all robots have cats? Um, I hope not. Their heads explode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Guess what? They explode it. So what we just saw, um, the video features a plastic, artificial-looking couple inside of a house doing their morning routine and things get out of control while Air and the band are hanging out in some kind of underground room. And it kind of reminds me of... It's a kitchen. No, Air. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, Mark's mom in the kitchen. <laughs> Um, All right. So yeah, it, it reminds me of when I used to play Sims, and I would sabotage the characters. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you used to play Sims. You just kind of let them show the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun game. So I feel like this. I mean, I think it was human nature to do that. Yeah. Shit on the floor. <laughs> no. To... Let them die. <laughs> yeah. To. That's really sick. I'm not, I don't want to be a part of this. But I did not. The views and comments of this podcast do not reflect my own. Yeah. So, as far as song meaning and lyrics go, um, I think this is like the epitome of the album and the cover artwork where it's in line with this idea of uh, Air being radio pirates and they have this intention of sending good music out to people. I think this song would have had more impact if it was a punk song. Oh, yeah. I just feel like the message is mm. really punk, but the vibe was, like, still poppy. It was. <laughs> well, maybe that's how they reach the masses. Yeah. Uh, Sellouts. Well, <laughs> the verse was sung by Roger Joseph Manning Jr., um, and it's kind of lost on me because I don't really understand the beatnik poetry that they're talking about with 
melancholy snipers and flower gun users. Goth. Wait, is the is the subject matter beatnik or is the way they deliver it beatnik? Explain your beatnik. <laughs> well, so melancholy snipers is like killing sadness, and the flower gun users is the, the like the hippies. Like, they just want happiness. That all they want is to to view and see happy. Oh, that's what those lyrics. But then he about. says we request funeral of sadness. I don't know. Well, JB has said, JB, um, that the phrase stereo gum from the song comes from the idea of wanting to reach out and physically touch sound waves, uh, similar to the phrase ear candy. Yeah. Touching sound waves. <coughs> okay. Um, to echo what Andrea said, I think it's a, a critical song about mainstream radio music. But sounding kind of mainstream. Yeah. So. And what are your thoughts on mainstream music? I prefer the... <laughs> I prefer the road less traveled than the mainstream. Oh, that almost leads us into our next song. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. <clears throat> okay, I, to me, Radio Number 1 kind of like gets you moving. It feels poppy and fun and dancey, which I appreciate. Um, after the mellower tone of how does it make you feel. Um, and also like kind of the dramatic vocal shift um, in the second half of the song, you know, when, so yeah. Cool. There you go. Well, for remixes, there are two remixes and one's done by Senior Coconut. And he basically- Oh, I like Senior Coconut. You know him? Yeah. Oh. And basically turns it into a Latin radio station hit. And so he's actually a German producer who went to Chile and decided to do, like, Latin-style music. And he's done, like, craftwork covers that are, like, Latin-style. And then the other remix is by J.P. Crystal, and it's, like, a electro funk, daft, punky kind of song. And then there's also the demo version, which is called Dark Angel. Mm-hmm. It's a very hot topic. Yeah, why, why the weird gothy name? Did you dive into that at all? No. I mean, cause... Okay. Because <laughs> it was... Um, I forgot to say, it was... I think it was instrumental at the time, so... I think maybe just the way the music sounded sounded like mm. a dark angel, but... That makes sense. Maybe it's like the clashing of the happy... Or the light and the dark. <clears throat> I mean, put you on the spot like that. So a bit of trivia, Jason Faulkner wasn't comfortable with his singing at the end and thought Air was going to process it um, as they usually do. But to his surprise, he didn't find out until the listening party uh, at Mike Mills' house up in the hills in Silver Lake. 
Did you write this for me? <laughs> well, um, yeah. Anyway, Jason Faulkner wasn't feel comfortable singing, but he figured they'd like share his voice, like share believe. Yeah. Um, and then it wasn't until a listening party that they he found out that they just published it as yeah as is. I mean, that's the risk you take when you. <laughs> Collaborate with. Oh, and they have they have final creative control. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you know that (laughs) there's a music site called Stereogum, and it got its name from this song? Yeah, I used to read and listen to that all the time. What Stereogum? Oh, okay. Yeah, Um, it's still around. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about track four, "The Vagabond." Let's take a listen. You liked it? Yeah. Um, so this song features the singer Beck, who is popular for the song Loser. Yeah, it was a good one. Among others. <laughs> you know, I was listening to this song, and I was like, I'm getting real Beck vibes. Oh, really? I had no idea. Oh. Because it doesn't say on Spotify. It doesn't say featuring Beck, does it? I, I don't think It doesn't. So. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I thought that was cool. Thank yeah. you. So, Beck actually previously remixed their song, Sexy Boy. And um, they asked him to contribute to their album, 10,000 Hertz Legend. So, he he wrote the lyrics on the spot when he was working on a song, when he was working on a song. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you talking about? When he was I like, there's so many so, people at play and I don't know what you're talking about. So Beck wrote this song yes. on the spot when he was actually yes. recording another song with Mary and Faith. That part we got, it was the... Yeah, go on. So Eric came into the studio and showed him the instrumental song and he came up with the lyrics and stuff. So when they finally got together to work on the song... It, they um, recorded it at Hollywood Sound Recorders. I thought you had some tea about them. And when they finally got together to record the song, they know. did it at Hollywood Sound Recorders. That probably explains why why the whole vibe of the song was very spot on to me. Mm. <clears throat> like calling it the Vagabond, and then they had this country harmonica. Oh, uh, too oh, yeah. And it was just like right on the nose, yeah. Yeah. Shit, like get creative, you know. Yeah. Oh, this is not a hate on an air podcast. (laughs) Well, we welcome all perspectives. (laughs) So, um, when Beck, speaking of Beck, when he was asked about the circumstances that brought them together, um, his response was puberty. What? I don't. That's from Magnet Magazine in July of 2001. Into each other like that. Oh. Yeah, but puberty's not a time that, huh. You know, has a very sci-fi <laughs> western desert feel, which uh, feels like one of the themes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's like the movie we saw yesterday. 
Asteroid City. Oh, yeah. It had that kind of feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. Western Desert feel. It's, uh, it's um, a good. It's I good. recommend yeah. it. Yeah, Asteroid it's, City. It's Check it out. relaxing summer <clears throat> movie. Yeah. Um, Wes Anderson. <laughs> Name dropping. Well, <laughs> no, it, explains, just, it explains the style. Yes, yeah. Wes yeah, Anderson's like latest. Yes. And Scarlett Johansson was good. I would, I expected her to not oh, be, but yeah, I've good. seen that preview actually. That does look really good. Okay, uh, what about production, Jesse? Or Andre? No, the song. <laughs> <laughs> the song starts with the harmonica solo, then when the vocals kick in, you have it paired with an acoustic guitar, and when the chorus comes in with the piano, and sci-fi synths. And then as the song progresses, you get some hand claps from everyone. Ready? Oh, one. (laughs) (laughs) It's not working. (laughs) One more time. We got to make it work. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a drum circle. We have to clap until we get synchronized with each other. Okay, um, the song ends with Beck improvising or vocalizing, but his vocals are like processed and warbled, and he sounds like a donkey drowning in the water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of like this again, like their song ends on a comedic note. And he starts laughing, so it just shows like maybe they're trying to be funny with this album. That's what it really. Or like show their humorous side and be like, no, we don't take ourselves seriously. I think it's kind of a French attitude. Yeah, Yeah. I can see that. We do not take ourselves seriously. Can you say that? No. No. Uh, So I'm a. I was a big Beck fan. Uh, So I feel like he takes this song to like another level with its with his vocals and writing. Um, and if you like this song, you should check out Beck's Sea Change from 2002. It kind of feels like an evolution of the Vagabond. Hmm. Um, yeah, because I like this song, because I think I might, I might check that out. Yeah. It's a treacherous road with a desolated I, I was actually surprised by this song. Uh, I don't know, I was riding, uh, driving my car. I almost said riding a horse <laughs> to the sunset. Oh. But yeah, the sunset was going, I was driving, and the song came on, and it was just. Uh, I hate this. <laughs> but the, yeah, but then the song came on, and it just really felt uh, on spot for the whole vibe. Yeah. You, you heard to, it right here, the song I would is love a vibe. I to ride a horse while listening to this song. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, what about live performances? I I don't think this song has been performed live, probably because it wasn't the same without Beck singing. Aha! Well, (laughs) Uh (laughs) you're right and wrong, um, because Aaron never performed this song on tour, but they did play it once um, with Beck on April April 22nd, 2003, uh, they joined Beck on stage in uh, Le, Le Grand Rock, Le Grand Rex, Paris. 
um, on uh, Bexy's Change Solo Europe tour. Uh, so they joined him for a couple nights, and one of the songs that they sang was The Vagabond. Nice. Did I lose you? Did I? <laughs> did you get lost? Like, did you, get did lost? you feel like a vagabond? Yes. <laughs> so with that being said, um, Bex said that the lyrics were inspired by feeling like a vagabond. You just skipped I'm like sorry. three of them. Keep going. <laughs> um, there's no drummer in the version that's live. And so... Oh, so it's like an acoustic unplugged? Mm, it just feels a lot less dynamic. Like imagine any song mm-hmm. that had drum featured prominently, not featured. Um, yeah. <laughs> now what was that about the song meaning? Um... Well, about the song meaning, Beck said that the lyrics were inspired by feeling like a vagabond drifting from place to place for eight years. That is what a vagabond does. Like, like the vagabond going to cooking school. Does it specifically have to be eight years? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he, he also felt like they were experiencing them, themselves after the success of their first album. So as we said before, the song starts with the harmonica and it just, like Andre was saying, it builds on normal vagabond characteristics. Um, and then, you know, it talks about being lost, having no direction and constant searching. Those are vagabond characters. And yeah, I feel like everyone goes through that at some point or another in their life. Like whether you're graduating from high school or retiring, uh, yeah. Is something... Do you need a hug? <laughs> you need a, you need a oh. hug. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That's a, that's a very sweet sentiment. Yeah. Uh, how about remixes? Um, there's... Or covers or any personal experiences? There's there's no official remixes, but I I think when I was 17 or 18, I found a... A bluegrass tribute to air at amoeba records and the, this song was on it and i just thought that was pretty interesting that did you buy it yeah is it a cd or a record a or cd a... i still have it who does it can we play it yeah okay <laughs> How much did it cost? I thought thought it was funny that a whole, like, bluegrass band wanted to, felt compelled to, no shade on them. I I really liked it. It was good. Wait. I can't. What are you doing? So there's also, there's also the. clapping. There's also the demo version, which is called Bad and Sad. Yeah. Tight. Yeah. <laughs> kind of gothy emo. Yeah. All right. What about some trivia? Um, well, like you were speaking about earlier, the um, interview from Magnet Magazine, Beck recalls what was so funny, and he said that... So he, funny, meaning the laugh at the end yeah, of the song. Yeah, why was he laughing at the end? Yeah. And he said it was because he saw JB jog by wearing a leather mini backpack purse. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's all he was wearing. 
Oh, I didn't think about that. That would be pretty funny. Why would they be doing that? You get bored. <laughs> no. Also, I just found out that this is the most played song on Spotify. And we're actually going to see Becca ourselves uh, hmm. in a month, next month. We are. I think it being the most played song on Spotify really shows how uh, people felt during the pandemic. Oh, mm. like a vagabond. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, yeah. that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, what about uh, what about we move on to the next song, track sure. five? Sounds good. Track five from the album Radion. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Actually, the first instrumental piece on the album and the longest song on the album. Um, what is a radian? <laughs> well, no, tell me, what is a radian? Yeah, judging from JB's uh, mathematical background, uh, I'm guessing that they were referring to the radian where it's a unit of angle where one radian is 57.9... Oh God, is <laughs> a radian is fifty seven point two nine fifty eight degrees. So I, I and I'm still not sure what it has to do with the song, but I mean, um, Mark, you know more about mathematics than any than I do. Um, do you do you have any idea about radians? Do they have some kind of symbolism behind them or anything? Does that have to do with the radius by chance? Kind of. It's yeah. a. It's when you're measuring angles, it's a different unit of measurement that helps because angles are unique in, in sort of how they impact other geometry. Oh. But I don't know. Maybe I think it's just something kind of dorky. The, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sounds cool. I was thinking like radiant. Well, it's actually... It, they are together because if you think of when something radiates, it goes out in a cone, oh, and that's basically an angle. So and radiance. Or... I could see it, some sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if you see what I'm gonna say about this song. Okay, well, before we get there, <laughs> I would love to hear what you. Let's say. talk about the production of this song. Um, it starts with some ambient tones and some deep vocalizing or. Is it vocalizing or humming? I guess vocalizing. Okay, it's deep vocalizing. Yeah, it's almost a Middle Eastern vocalizing style. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like... Like appropriation? No. no I, don't, I don't feel that. Yeah, Did it feel no. genuine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who they hired to do that. I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, as the vocalizing goes on, we get some tribal drumming that comes in with the and then we have a, some dreamy harp strums and that transports us to like a lighter atmosphere with the funky groove accompanied by flutes and building strings and guitar. And how does the song end? It ends on a calm note with some modulated piano. So I feel like overall it feels like 
you're waking up from a deep sleep or a nightmare to a sunny morning, and so that's why the the radiant radiant comes in your room. <laughs> Are you okay? And so that wakes you up. Well, why will you make a duck quacking hands? Because <laughs> that's the... The sun comes in like a duck quacking at you? Yeah. This is the sunshine coming in your room. <laughs> okay. That's what your hand was doing. So, yeah, it just feels like two separate songs as well. And so you have, like, the yes. dark one. <laughs> yes, Queen. That was in my notes. Um, it feels like, you know, you have the dark song and the light song. And so it's a nice... So yeah. it's biracial. I yeah. wish they separated it, to be honest. Really? Yeah, because I love them um, separately, like, on the album. Like, like, if I want to listen to this side the beginning by side? part, I would love to put that on a loop. Yeah, it's still on the same album. No, but like side by side or like in separate in the track list? Like no, side by side in the track list. Oh, okay. Like I wish they, but it would just, you know, so I could listen to them. So separately. that each section would be longer? Like if they would have expanded on each part of the song and made it a whole song? Or that. I mean, I feel like they had enough to make oh. each one yeah, its own song true. already. Yeah. Is it like a whole, what, eight minute song? Seven minute song? Yeah, it's like seven minutes. Do we need a whiteboard? What? <laughs> I feel like I need a whiteboard to figure out. Oh. <laughs> I heard white boy. <laughs> I'm like, I guess. I don't know. That's your so thing, bro. <laughs> it just feels like a party right now. So we got to It's what we do. We invite white boys over. <laughs> I think it's time for a white boy. <laughs> Let them listen and say, You ready to be tortured? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, it feels like. Two separate songs. Two separate. <clears throat> oh, and I just like the, the fact that they put it like right in the middle of the album kind of shows like. I don't know. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what you mean? The arc, character arc. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. The transition. I don't know. But does the mood the of the season album change, change after that? Not really. Then what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like a good halfway point. I don't know. Something, something, something. Uh, so the harp in this track is played by. Corky Hell, who we... Did he play Bjork? Yes, she did. Oh, she <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, we, I remember that name from our Bjork yeah, block podcast. Yeah, she played with Bjork on her debut album. And then the vocals are done by Barbara Cohen. You don't know her? No. <laughs> she actually ran for Senate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think what they did actually was record her vocals and then they like pitched it down, so that's why mm. it sounds so low. Yeah. So <laughs> she actually sounded like hey. hey. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and the strings and the flute were recorded at Capitol Hill Studio. In Seattle? Come on. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> no. They recorded in LA. 
Yeah, you never, you don't know where the Capitol Hill. You've never seen Capitol Hills in L.A. Yeah, no, that's Capitol Records. Oh, <laughs> this is Capitol Hill Studio. Maybe I don't know. Uh, <laughs> not to be confused with Capitol Records <laughs> in L.A. But yeah, Capitol Hill Studio is in L.A. and those sessions were arranged by a conductor by the name of Roger Neal. I just remember the first, I just bought this and then I got my first new nice car and it had really great speakers and I sat in my driveway listening to the song because it was, it sounds really good in a car with sort of like speakers. You just sat in your driveway like a creeper? In my car, I just, it was brand new. I was really, it was like the first nice car I ever bought. I was excited. Which window were you staring at? <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, yeah, I, I, I had the same sentiment towards this song. It was really, uh, if I was an audiophile, I'd probably want this on, this song particular on record with great headphones oh, or yeah. great speakers. It's just, it really had that, um, that touch to it uh, compared to these three songs. It was yeah. musically probably the best. Chef Pleasing. Kiss. Musically pleasant. So, yeah. Any other aspects of production? No. Okay. <clears throat> okay, that's all, folks. <laughs> yeah, we're done. No, we're not. No. Um, I w- regarding remixes, I was really excited when we were researching this to find two really good remixes because I'm a fan of the song. One of them is by Radian. I'm sorry, one of them is by Shorpy. It's not that funny. <laughs> Uh, somebody named Shorpy, and he does Shorpy's tease edit of Radian. Um, and you can see that on SoundCloud or hear it. And then uh, Thomas Jackson did the Thomas Jackson rework, and you can find that on Bandcamp. Yeah, they're they're both really good. Yeah, check them out. We'll play some right now. We'll check it out. When yeah, when we're done, you can listen to oh, it. Yeah. What about live performances? Uh, they performed this on KCRW and on their last tour in 2016. And the little bit of trivia, the working title for this was Karma Fuzz which I prefer. Um, and I also found out that Karma Fuzz is the name of a user on, on DeviantArt. You should check her out. So random. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, is that your little cousin that did this? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is somebody named Karma Fuzz on DVD and all. Oh my god. <laughs> it's hilarious. Alright. <laughs> <Sorry>. Okay. 
Yeah, check them out. <laughs> nothing to do with this album at all. <laughs> but <laughs> Are these your secret drawings? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just a good researcher. Oh god, I haven't left that for a long time. Okay. Okay. Oh wow. On that note, we've come to the end of our podcast. Yeah. I think we should go now. Wait, what about next episode? Oh, uh, next episode, we'll be covering uh, tracks six, seven, and eight, which is Lucky and Unhappy, Sex, Porn, Poison, and People in the City. All right, well, thank you for joining us and for spending this little bit of time. Yeah, thank, and us. thank you to our guest, Andre. Andre. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything you want to promote or share? <laughs> okay. No, uh, please don't look me up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. Well, thanks for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night.